Do you know somebody who won't wear their seatbelt? Well, if they won't listen to their cars dinging, maybe you should add some of your own. Ding, 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 ding. Go ahead, ding, kids. Chime ding, in. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, you on the street, tell this guy to wear a seatbelt. Yep, it's okay to speak up because you know what? You could save their life. Learn more at buckleupva.com. A message from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. I feel funny saying remain seated today because we have a guest that I don't think ever remains seated. <laughs> it's uh, it's Gina Barberi and my son Festus. Hello. And uh, remain seated podcast. We have a guest today. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks without a guest. We, we had a streak of guests. And then, we did. And then it was just you and I. But now we're back to guests. Now we're back. Because other people are way more interesting than we are. I know. I we think. figured that out. We've been getting emails. Like, well, we, we can't got, have you guys alone. We got an email about this. Did you find? Yes, we did. So we got actually a message on our Facebook page. From we have a Facebook a page? List. We do. <laughs> Mostly just to receive messages. Um, from Pam. Thank you for sending this to us, Pam. Um it said, hello, could you guys please help share this on the pod or social media? If you can, that would be great. Thank you. And is, it is a link to uh, our guest, John Absey. Um, there is a GoFundMe. Do you want to explain that? Well, one? a change.org. A change.org, not a GoFundMe. Um, I have it here. And he'll be embarrassed because he hates when we point this out. But I'm going to read it anyway. And he didn't ask nope. to do this. We're doing this because a Remain Seated listener asked us to, John. It says, uh, in October of last year, the Utah Jazz fired John Absey, the man who built the Bear mascot into an award-winning role model for NBA franchises. To add insult to injury, they chose to reveal his name, which is something I wanted to talk to you about. A closely guarded secret that John kept through his 24-year career. I believe that the Jazz have every right to make their business decisions and move on in a different direction, but it's time to give John his due. I believe the time has come for the Utah Jazz to do the honorable thing, bring John back to the arena and retire the jersey he wore for 24 years and raise it into the rafters. So that's the change.org uh, petition. And I, I read that and I went, well, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> so, John, thank you for coming in. Hey, guys. How you doing? John Absey. Uh just to go back to, like I said, I wanted to talk about uh, the closely guarded secret of your name. Because I'm thinking about your kids. How many kids do you have? Three girls. Yep. And they know their dad's the jazz bear. Yep. But they couldn't They couldn't say anything. They couldn't talk about it. How, how much of a secret was that? Actually, it was, it was pretty impressive how they did keep it a secret at being kids. Um, I mean, we did threaten him <laughs> a lot. How else so, would you get him? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And bribed him a little bit. But no, they did really well. I remember, I, I, I got a funny story. I remember uh, my youngest daughter, or not my youngest, my middle daughter, Sydney. Um, she was, God, I don't know what she was, maybe three, maybe three years old. And she was walking towards the cage. And it was like the first time she'd really seen the bear. And as she was walking, um, I come around the corner and it was totally instinct, I think, like this whole primitive instinct because she like stopped and couldn't and just kept eye contact, 
slowly got to the floor <laughs> and played dead. I mean, she really did. She just laid there. And I that's was, what I you should do laughing. with a bear. That's oh, really yeah. what you should do. I laughed do. so hard because she literally did. She just laid there. Like You trained her well. That's I perfect. trained her well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but everybody else, I mean, they, they just did a really good job keeping it quiet. I really appreciate that, that they did that for me. So let's go back in time to how you started becoming a mascot. Because the jazz bear wasn't your first go around at being a mascot, correct? No. Um, it was totally by accident. I, I, I was, you know, just college kid. I was working at a gymnastics gym. And uh, not that I knew gymnastics. I actually didn't know anything about it. I was just happened to be dating a girl back then that was a uh, coach at this gymnastics place. And I ended up getting pulled in. And uh, what had happened is um, a, t a CBA team, the Continental Basketball Association, it was called the Fargo Fever. Um, they came in and just asked if anybody wanted to be a mascot for their new franchise. And I was one of the only males, and um, it was 25 bucks a night. <laughs> College kid back in the in the late 80s was that was pretty good. And you had fun, and you thought oh, I had a blast. But but as far as it being a career, that probably didn't occur to you. Oh, not at all. I was I, I just did it as a as a gig because, like I said, 25 bucks, and I uh, I was going to school to for political science and pre law. You don't, I, you don't see the jazz bear as being someone you could talk to with about political science. And... Yeah. There's many layers, and we're, we're peeling them back. <laughs> so so talk a little bit about how you came to the jazz. Well, then, so then with that is, you know, because before all that, I was in the military for a stint in Desert Storm. And then um, when I got out of that, I, you know, then I started the mascotting. Worked with the Fargo Fever. They they fired me halfway through because of all the stunts. They just weren't ready for everything. You know what I mean? They were like, you're going to kill yourself or kill somebody else. Yeah, you're it's an insurance risk. That's exactly yeah. what they You're just like, you're Because I was sledding back then. I was bungee jumping out of the Oh, you were doing that now. Yep. I, it was awesome. I was just having a heyday. And it was just a lot of fun, adrenaline rush stuff. And then uh, they got rid of me, but then it made the news. So then a team in Winnipeg, Manitoba saw me. Called me up and said, "We're exactly you're exactly what we're looking for." So I went up there, almost killed myself many <laughs> times because there were no rules up there, and uh, then um, went back to school and then got another call from a team in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, called the Sioux Falls Sky Force, and uh, worked with them for a year. And they were an amazing team, a lot of fun. And I met the Gorilla. The Phoenix Gorilla came and did a show because a lot of the NBA guys would travel around mm -hmm. and do the minor league shows, and. Uh, that was the first time I remember looking at him. I'm just like, you, you, you really do this for a job? <laughs> and he's well, like, did yeah. you, you talked to him about it. You said, oh, yeah. The, the Phoenix Gorilla was awesome. So we sat and chatted about it. And that's when I was like, huh. So I put together a resume and sent it out to all the NBA teams. Got a call from uh, a Grant Harrison and, and, and a Teresa Pryor. And they said that uh, they were going to have tryouts. It was a three-team tryout. And it was with Sacramento, Seattle, and Utah. Um, but all in one place. All in one place, uh -huh. yep, over at Westminster College. And I remember looking at trying to sell my truck at the time because I was like, you know, if I don't do this, I was a poor college kid, so trying to come up with airfare was, was a challenge. But then I thought, if I don't try this, I'm going to kick myself forever. So the day I was going to put my truck in the paper, I shot down to the store, bought a paper, grabbed a cup of coffee, Came home and was kind of kicking through the classifieds, and something happened. I remember I, I w stopped looking for about an hour, and then all of a sudden the phone rang, and it was Teresa Pryor, and she said, you're one of two guys that were flying in. 
So I got to save my truck. <laughs> so <laughs> Which, by the way, I ended up bringing out here and blew the engine on it going down I-15. So. so you're trying out to be a mascot. Do you have like a mascot costume? You're like, this is my tryout costume, or do they give you one? How I does wish. That... I wish no. it was that nice. So <laughs> the, the, the great thing about uh, working here is there's actually a local costume company called Alinco Costumes, A-L-I-N-C-O. Uh-huh. Because uh, every time I say it, it sounds like I'm saying Glinko, but it's Alinko. Mm. And they make probably three-quarters of the uh, professional mascots in the country. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. They're, they're in Salt Lake? Yep. Oh. And they made the bear. And uh, they came in for tryouts, but they brought gorilla costumes. <laughs> so the thing that's <laughs> that was horrible is there was really only one head that fit everybody. A bunch of different costumes. They had four different masks, but one really fit well. And... I was last to go for After my tryouts. Everybody sweat After in it. Everybody else tried it on. <laughs> and I just remember, and I, I'll never forget it. I, I put the mask on. There was a foam pad up in the forehead. Mm-hmm. And when I cinched oh. it down, oh, all nine people before me, all their sweat poured down my face. It's like wringing out a washcloth. Oh. And it, I remember dry heaving. <laughs> and I remember it, it just, I was like, this, this is horrible. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we used one of those costumes in it, and uh, yeah, it was gross. It was really gross. So they they tell you you're one of two. How do you find out you're the one? Oh, so then I left after the first round of tryouts because the thing that was really interesting is that there there were so many or so much good talent, you know, but everybody was exceptional at one thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had given us a piece of paper, and this is about the only time I ever followed rules, but they gave me a piece <laughs> of paper that everybody had, and it had five things that we had to do on it, you know, mm-hmm. dancing, dunking, tumbling, stunts, and crowd interaction, and I was the only one out of everybody that did all five. Everybody else showed up. They didn't even up. attempt to do the other ones? Some did. Some did a couple mm-hmm. things, but like Eli Akins was, he could jump out of the gym. He came out, and he dunked. Then we had a gymnast from ASU. He was amazing. I could hear him tumbling upstairs, boom, 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 on the floor. <laughs> and then he dunked, and I think he did one so something else. But everybody just did a few of the things, mm-hmm. but they, they mainly focused on what they were good at. And I wasn't really good at anything, but I did all five things. <laughs> so but That's be, what they're looking for. There you go. Because it isn't just about the tumbling. It, I would think even more so it's the crowd interaction, that you've, you're, you're there to help get them pumped up, right? Yeah, I mean... To me, like when people talk to me and I do a little consulting, when they talk about like what to look for in a mascot is I was like, I'm always like, you can teach tumbling. You can teach people how to dunk. Because, I mean, I learned how to tumble really when I moved out here mm-hmm. and a little bit when I was at the gym. And then I taught myself how to dunk and, and I was able to learn all that. Um, the hard thing is to learn spontaneity, learn how to read a crowd and how to read people like okay, I know I'm messing with you and you're not having fun anymore, so I got to move on. That, yeah. that type of stuff. And then know how to get out of it. And that know how to get out of it. In a funny way. Yep. Yeah. And you, you constantly have to be thinking ahead. Like, I know a lot of times I'd be in the crowd and people would be like, you know, I saw you at the crowd. You, you know, you were right in front of me and I was waving. And I'm like, it's hard to explain because I never really like, I'm not like looking or focusing on anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of taking it all in. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I'm just like, something's going to catch my eye. And when it does, then I got to immediately go, okay, you know, it's a bald head or it's a uh, opposing, team, opposing jersey. team jersey yeah. or it's this or it's a heavy set guy or it's, I mean, and then you got to just go, okay, 
and these are my options. Bum, 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 bum. And so it sounds like because I always thought it was more scripted than that, but no, you're you're seat of the pants. One hundred percent. I seriously like I would start the night out and I would just a lot of times people thought, oh, you know, I'm going somewhere. All I was doing was walking around until I saw something to act on is really what it came to. And is is that the case through all of professional sports and their mascots or is no. that just kind of your thing? That, that there, there's a handful of us that can operate that way. Pretty much everybody else has, like you said, that's scripted for them. So mm-hmm. and that's that's the hard thing is. You know, if you look at all the pretty successful, like the Gorilla and Rocky and Denver mm-hmm. and guys like that, they're, they're very spontaneous. But that's what they're paying you for, I think. That's you're you're a character. You're you're an entertainer, and they're trusting you to to do that. Right. You I have would... to have a personality without speaking. Right. You have, yeah. You're it's a personality. A mime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You are a mime in a suit. Yeah, no, that was that was the hard part. Was trying to get across a lot of times. You know, you're basically trying to get across a whole paragraph with your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, and a and a face that doesn't make any emotion. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just. So but you, but you were great at it, and I really am with this petition for for wanting to give you your due because you're not just a guy in a suit. You're a personality in a suit, and you're a personality that we are, we had you on the radio from Hell Show, and we heard for some from some fans of yours that grew up with you like that had interactions with you when they were little kids and then took their kids to jazz games that that means something that's worth something i love you but it also makes <laughs> me feel very old <laughs> <laughs> i get it too i i have people that come up to me i remember when you were pregnant with festus and look he's a grown man now. i have people that come up to me and go i listened to your mom when i was in high school and i thought you were a baby that's what they say to me um i that's pulled up awesome. the the petition here and it has over three thousand signatures wow I don't so, look at it. That's. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I, if you didn't want to know, no, but I, I, I just pulled it up that, here. Yeah, yeah, that's. I that's I impressive. want you to know that people love you and appreciate what you what you did. It's not. It it can't just be anybody in the suit. Yeah, you're amazing. I it's, appreciate that. No, it's true. It's it's uh, you you made the game uh, a more complete experience. Well, you know, and and I love you guys for saying all that stuff, but. There's a lot of credit that has to go out to the 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 people that helped me, you know, start this program. Because um, Grant Harrison, Teresa Pryor, those guys, when I first started, my favorite Grant was just like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, he goes, I'm not the mascot, you are. And they were hoping that we could get the program to where the gorilla was in, you know, a few years and stuff. And he just basically said, we're gonna give you enough rope to hang yourself and don't hang yourself. So. He was very instrumental in taking the character and uh, elevating it to level after level because he was so understanding. He would, he would, you know, man, he was like my dad. I, he would listen to me. He would sit down and talk to me. And uh, he, he understood that, you know, I had, I had moments where he needed to rein me in, but he also knew that. There were some things that he had to trust me on. You yeah. Because there was a ton of times where I was like, this is what I plan on doing. And it was a long shot even in my head. And he was like, all right, let's give it a shot. And, it, and when it came off and it worked and it was great, like, you know, like a cake drop or, mm-hmm. you know, it, stuff like that is, is priceless. Because so many other managers would be like, you know, no, we're not doing it. And, be, and he was just like, all right, let's give it a chance. At least we're going to try it. That's where greatness comes. I think when people uh, have to exist under somebody else's thumb, 
you're not going to get greatness there. No. There's to be a certain level of trust and extend the leash a little bit and right. just kind of see what happens. So, yeah, so I, I was really fortunate my whole time. You know, I had Craig Sanders and Nate Randall and, and uh, I mean, like even Nate Randall, this is how great he was is, you know, he came out and he, uh, I asked him one time because we were, we were, he was trying to understand on the Bear Crew. I had these eight guys that were amazing. And they worked with me forever, and, and I had a couple that actually started when I started, uh-huh. and uh, and we had a lot of fun. You, someday we got to come on here and just do a bear crew thing. Okay, because <laughs> the stories that we could tell you about. Yeah, I'll do its own episode. <laughs> it really would. It's, it's we had a really good time in there, but uh, um, uh, where, where was it? So like, <laughs> so just the people that helped you be successful. Oh, yeah. But he, I t- he was wondering about our bear crew, and I said, "Why don't you come down and be a bear crew guy for a night?" And he said, "Sure." And I couldn't believe he said yes. And he was amazing. He came down, put on everything, went out and did all the contests, helped us set up stunts, and afterwards he was he was like, "That was amazing." That and was he, so much and fun. he gets it. I he get what you, I get yep. what you do. I yep. understand what you do. He, he was a manager that got into the trenches, and and instead of just trying to assume it, he actually went and did it. So that he could understand it. And that's unusual. Very unusual. And it was amazing that he did that. I, I really appreciated that day. I mean, I think one of the reasons Radio from Hell's successful is we've had management that trusts us to do our thing. That, you know, there are a lot of morning shows where every day after your show, you go into the program director's office and you listen to a tape of the show and they tell you everything you did wrong and don't do yeah. this and you should do that. And they've, they've trusted us. And I think giving giving that leash and and trusting the performer to perform. Well, and that's that's why they get paid to do that job, and you get paid yeah. to do this job because you know what you're doing. Just, you you know, and but, then they get paid to wear suits and stuff. Exactly, and and believe it or not, uh, in my opinion, you need to fail a few times in order to move forward. You you have to fall on your face a couple times, and it's literally many you've times. literally yep. fallen on your face in order for you to go okay. You know, I, I know where my line is here. You know, I've learned. You, you, you're going to learn, mm-hmm. even if you succeed all the time. If you succeed all the time, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just think that you need to fail a little bit in order to, you know, go forward with a, a, a career. Well, not not that getting injured is failing, but 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 I know you had quite a few surgeries and and troubles. Did you ever do anything that you got injured for? for and they said, "All right, we got to rein this in. You can't. You're you're taking it too far." Nope. I, I was really fortunate. Like a lot of my injuries didn't happen doing the stunts, mm-hmm. except for one. Like my shoulder, I tore a ligament doing a one-armed handstand. Um, other than that, I think. Well, wait, I lied. And then I, yeah, I got a few of them, but <laughs> they're <laughs> all coming back. To you, they though. are coming back. <laughs> really, but a lot of them happened, like outside. Like when I, I blew my shoulder out one time, and I was in Portland doing a wrestling match, and all the injuries that I've had that not all, but most of them that I've had that uh, were caused by somebody else was a college mascot. And then there was a time where I was just like, I'm not working with college mascots anymore <laughs> because they just they feel like they got to prove something mm-hmm. and they take it just so over the top. And I think all the professional guys have that understanding that, you know, professional understanding of this, like, you know, we are all doing this for a career. We don't want to hurt anybody. Right. You know, and, and the college kids are like, ah, I'm doing this for this year and then I'm graduating <laughs> and they don't care and they just want to, I don't know, they don't get it. So when you won your awards for being top mascot, is that all professional mascots or do they include college mascots? Just the pro guys. Just the, and you won that how many times? Um, out of the NBA, I won it 
uh, mascot of the year eight times, and then out of um, out of all mascots professionally out of the country, I've won it twice. That is impressive. So I would think you could take that and be like a mascot consultant, a trainer. Uh... <laughs> you know, it, uh, you're about the 900th person that's. <laughs> I actually, I, I do consult a little bit, I, I, and I do do a little speaking here and there, but um, it's hard because, you know, it, it'd be like somebody coming and talking to you guys and, you know, and, and saying, hey, I'm a radio consultant mm-hmm. and this is what I think you guys should do. You're going to kind of go, well, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, everybody you can leave. You there's the door. About your consultant. Oh, that's I mean, there's, true. Yeah, They're the horrible. Right? They're the, never mind. Forget I said yeah. that. Because mascots have fragile egos, believe it or not. They really so do. So do radio personnel. I, I was going to say, it's, I think it's just that kind of profession, you know, when you're an entertainer or whatever, you you need to kind of love yourself a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and when somebody says, oh, you're doing it wrong, you're just like, oh. What do you you don't know anything. Exactly. Okay. Scratch that. Well, what are you doing? If not consulting, what are you doing now? I'm all over the place. So um, I'm working with Alinko Costumes, believe it or not, um, as a uh, client relations guy. And uh, I just deal with all the pro mascots. And um, from there, I'm also starting this group. It's called Working for Charities. And what we're hoping to do is be a resource and support group for all the little charities or the local charities in Utah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's over 3,700 charities. But the one thing that I noticed when I was uh, working with all the charities mascotting is a lot of them would start up and three years later they were gone. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of it was just due to because, you know, people have great hearts and they, they know what their mission is. They just don't know how to maintain it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to do is I have a great group of people involved, and we want to be that resource and uh, support nice. group for them so that people can come to us and, be, and talk, to us, talk to us about a 501c3 and how we can, you know, uh, make sure that they don't break any of the rules because there's a lot of rules. With oh, I see. Um, then, you know, we, we'll be there for them if they ever need help with how to run a gala, how to put on an event and stuff nice. like that. Uh, tell people where they can find out more about that. Just d- workingforcharities.com. Easy enough. Perfect. I'm so glad you came by to talk to you us kidding today. Me? Thanks for having me, man. This was amazing. I, I love And I know yeah, you I don't want to talk about getting your number retired and everything, but I I think you should sign the the change.org petition. We'll put it up on our social media so people can sign it if they want. Yep, we'll have a link there um, at Remain Seated Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also email Gina at x96.com with any topic, suggestions, or thoughts on today's show. John Absey, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you guys. Oh, no, no. Well, don't get up. Okay.